This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Today we continue in our series called Radicalis, Developing Spiritual Roots. In these lessons, we'll learn how to live a life that is deeply rooted in Christ and His Word so that we can become all God has created us to be. Now in just a few minutes, we're going to tell you how to get a copy of the Daily Hope Gold Scripture Box called Verses of Hope, a great way to keep God's Word right at your fingertips all year round. You can go to PastorRick.com or you can text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004 to find out more. Here's Pastor Rick Warren with part two of a message called Radical Faith. You see, if you learn to do whatever God tells you to do, even when it seems absurd, I can't do that, you will grow a great faith and you will build a great life. You'll have a radical faith that believes when you don't see it and obeys when you don't understand it. On the other hand, if you don't do that, if you say, God, I I don't understand it, so I'm not gonna do it. I only do what I understand. You know what you're gonna do? Miss most of the blessings that God planned for your life. Your life will be so limited, so stunted, so shortened, so inferior, so limited compared to the kind of life that God wants to do in your life. God wants to bless you far more than you realize, but you gotta get blessable. And how do you do that? By trusting him. You know, one time uh, when I was preparing for this message, I asked Kay, honey, can you ever think of a time that you, you obeyed God when he told you to do something, even when it didn't make sense? And she said, yes, when you asked me to marry you. <laughs> I said, Okay, in hindsight, was it a good thing? She said, yes. I said, you're my babe. Tom's gonna do the third facet of radical faith. What does it mean to have radical faith? The third thing is persisting when I don't feel like it. Persisting even when I don't feel like it. There is a belief in our culture that is so strong. Every one of us are influenced by it, whether we wanna be influenced by it or not. We all know this belief. The belief is, if it feels good, that's the belief. If it feels good, I should do it. If it doesn't feel good, I shouldn't do it. And whether I want to be influenced by that or not, I am. And when I allow myself to be, I become manipulated by my moods instead of living a life of faith. And God wants you and I to live a different kind of life, a life of faith, not just a life of feeling. Truth is, I don't always feel like doing the right thing. I don't know about you. I don't always feel like being nice to people. Like I see you out in the store or something. I don't always feel like being nice to you. Most of the time, but not not always. You're never gonna know now whether I felt like it or not when I smiled at you. (laughs) But I just don't always feel like helping my wife. I really felt like washing the dishes. Or Luke comes down and says, hey, could you read through this homework paper at 11 o'clock at night? I don't feel like reading through the paper at that moment. I just don't always feel like doing the right thing. But God can give you a kind of faith that persists above feelings. And the truth of the matter is, if you look at all of life, anybody who's successful at anything does things that they don't feel like doing, that other people don't feel like doing. Uh, An Olympic athlete practices when they don't feel like it. A great musician exercises practice and understanding how to do their craft even when they don't feel like it. If you're going to be a great salesman, a great saleswoman, that means you make calls that other people don't feel like making. And if you want you want to get closer to God in your life, deepen your relationship with him, 
That means you spend time with him sometimes even when you don't feel like it. You find somebody who really enjoys spending time with God, that means they spent time with God sometimes even when they didn't feel like it. Faith is being persistent. Faith is refusing to give up no matter how tired you are. Now, that's great to say, but the big question is, how do you become persistent? Because I don't know about you, I don't always feel like being persistent. Is that true about you? So how do you get there? The Bible talks about how you and I can begin to develop persistence in our lives through the example of a guy by the name of Moses. Hebrews chapter 11, this hall of fame of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, it was by faith that Moses left Egypt and he was not afraid of the king's anger. He held to his purposes like a man who could, and circle these last three words, would you? See the invisible. That's how you get there. That's how you persist. You begin to see the invisible. You see what God can do in your life. The invisible is God. And only those who see the invisible can do the impossible. Only those who see who God really is can persist in the most difficult times of life. You realize there's more than you can see. And it's who you can see. It's God being present in your life. Now some of you, you need to hear this right now. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things that we cannot yet see. But some of you right now, you don't have any confident assurance. The truth of the matter is, instead of feeling like persisting, you feel like you want to give up. Let me ask you. Let me ask you to have a kind of faith you've never thought of having before. Let me ask you to have the faith right now to believe that God loves you no matter what. No matter what happened last year, no matter who isn't loving you right now, no matter how you messed up in your life, God still loves you. Faith is persisting even when you don't feel like it. Even if you do not feel like God loves you, he loves you. Even if you don't know the confidence that God is with you, he is with you. So right now, I want to invite you in your heart, in your mind, say, I don't feel it, but God, I accept it. You love me no matter what, no matter how much I messed up. Hang on, because God will make a way. The fourth facet of radical faith, announcing it in order to experience it announcing it in order to experience it. Faith is believing when I don't see it, obeying when I don't understand it, persisting when I don't feel like it, and announcing it in order to experience it. In other words, sometimes you have to say it in order to sense it. You've gotta state it in order to feel it. It is the power of your words. It is speaking in faith. If you've kinda of lost that love and feeling for your wife, you know how to get it back? Start saying it. Start telling your wife, I love you. Just say it. You say, I don't feel it. Don't wait till you feel it. Say it to sense it. You start saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. You know what? The feelings will return. You want to learn to love God? You say, I don't feel like I love God. Start telling him it. Maybe you've never said, God, I love you. Father, I love you. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I love you. You know, if you start saying it, the feelings will come. It is the power of your words. You say it to sense it. You announce it in order to experience it. Now that's radical faith. One of the examples of this there in the Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11 is the illustration of Joseph. It says, it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, confidently spoke of God bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. And he was so sure of it that he commanded them to carry his bones with them when they left. You know the story how 
Joseph got sold into slavery, went into Egypt, things were downhill for him. Eventually, through the experiences of God, became number two in command under Pharaoh, saved the nation, saved Israel. But after that Pharaoh died, the Jews were enslaved. And for 400 years, they were enslaved in Egypt. But Joseph, long before they went back to the promised land, 400 years before, he announced, he says, I know one day God's gonna let us go back home to Israel. And so I wanna, want you to promise me that I'll be dead. I want you to take my bones and bury them in Israel. What's he doing? He is stating it in advance. He is announcing it in order to experience it. In fact, this is how God creates everything. God creates by the spoken word. God created the entire universe by speaking it into existence. Let there be light, bam, there's light. Let there be a sun and moon, bam, there's a sun and moon. God doesn't have to go through long uh, things. He could if he wanted to, but he could just speak it into existence. In fact, here's what the Bible says. Hebrews 11:3. by faith we see the world called into existence. God spoke it into existence. Called into existence by God's word. And what we see created by what we don't see. And in Psalm 33, right underneath that on your outline, it says, for he spoke and then it came to be. Now this is no contradiction to uh, scientific theory. I mean, people talk about the big bang. Believe me, when you think God spoke the universe into existence, there was probably a big bang. Wherever you, wherever you got a creation, you got a creator. Wherever you got an effect, there is a cause. If I'm walking down the mountain and I see a rock out of place, I can say, oh yeah, that's an accident. If I'm walking down the mountain and I see a Rolex, that is evidence of design. And it is stupidity for me to say, it just all happened. That Rolex is evidence of design. You see, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. It takes far more faith to believe something came out of nothing than to believe the creation was made by a creator. Far more faith. You see, we disproved spontaneous generation in the Middle Ages. Nobody believes that anymore. Things don't just come to life out of nothing. Now, if you do happen to believe that, then you need to be intellectually honest because if you say, I believe something could just happen out of nothing, there was no cause to it, it just happened out of nothing, then you would have obviously no problem believing that when Christ died, he could come back to life. Because it would take less faith to believe life can come back to life than to believe life came out of nothing. For intellectual honesty, you couldn't say, well, I believe in one but not the other. God spoke it into existence. And what the Bible says is that God gives us that power in our words too. We announce it in order to experience it. And the Bible makes a direct connection between your words, what you say, and the quality of the life you live. You don't realize how much your words affect you, affect everybody else, and affect the environment around you, and even history. In fact, the Bible says this on the screen, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can slice people, you can kill them with your words, you can add life and vitality with your words. You know this to be true. People today have had their lives ruined by a single sentence. Some people today are still remembering and acting on something, one sentence that was said to them by their parents or by their peers or by their partners or on the playground. And, and years later, one simple little sentence still haunts their memory. 
Their death and life is in the power of our words. You have enormous power in your words. And the Bible says faith, what you say and what you receive from God is connected. Our words and faith are together. In fact, Jesus said this here on the screen, Matthew 18, 18. I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What's he talking about there? He's talking about the power of our words, the power of our words to bless people or the power of our words to put them down, to curse them, the power of our words to give life or death in people's lives. Now, sometimes speaking in faith appears foolish to people of not faith because when you're announcing it in advance, when you're announcing it in order to experience it, it looks like you don't know what you're talking about, like you're out of touch with reality. And it seems foolish to other people. For instance, God often changed people's names in the Bible to indicate where they were going, not where they were at at that moment. God took a man named Abram and he changed his name to Abraham. Now Abraham means father of many nations. There's only one problem, Abraham had no kids. So at 99 years of age, his name is Abraham, and, he, and somebody comes in and says, what's your name? Father of many nations. Oh, that's great, how many kids you got? None. <laughs> how old are you? 99, oops. It's a little embarrassing to have your name be father of many nations, you're 99 years old and no kids. What was God doing? He was announcing it in order to experience it. And the Bible says this, on the back of your outline, Romans 4, 11, God said, I have made you a father of many nations. God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Did you see that? That's, that's faith, friends. Faith is calling that which is not as though it is. It is announcing it in order to experience it. In fact, look at the Living Bible translation of this verse. God speaks of future events with as much certainty as though they were already past. He's announcing the future in the present as though it's past, and that's, that's faith. Now friends, if you wanna understand your pastor, me, you need to understand that I have the gift of faith. We all have different gifts. Everybody's got different gifts. You have spiritual gifts. The people next to you have spiritual gifts. One of my spiritual gifts is faith. And I have this uh, in a strong measure to announce it in order to experience it. I live in the world of faith, in spiritual reality. In other words, I'm always talking about what it can be, not what it is. And I'm always visualizing the future for people. Now this is why the way I preach here at Saddleback is different then maybe you have heard from some other pastors. Sometimes you'll hear pastors say, well, I just believe in telling it like it is. Well, that's a good thing, at least it's the truth, but there's a far better way to teach than tell it like it is. Tell it like it could be. Telling it like it is never changes anybody. Labeling only reinforces the present. Telling it like it could be is teaching and preaching for faith, and that causes people to change. When you label somebody and you just tell them what they are, it doesn't motivate them to change. When you tell them what they could be, that's preaching for faith. It's calling things that are not as though they were. If somebody comes to me and says, Rick, you are a, you're a lousy father. My tendency would be to say, I start thinking of all the ways I could have been a better father. 
well, I could have done that, and I could have done that, and I could have done that, and I could. Yeah, and I just, you're right, I'm, I'm a lousy father. I could have been a better father. That doesn't change me. But if somebody comes to me and says, Rick, I see in you the potential to be a great father, a great dad. I see in you with your life committed to Christ and God's spirit living in you, you could be an incredible godly man. You could be a man of God that your kids would love and honor and that your wife would cherish. You could be the kind of godly man that the neighborhood and community would respect. And I see in you that spark, that potential, if you'll just let Christ control your life, that motivates me to change. Tell it like it could be, not the way. Does nagging work? Has it ever worked on you, nagging? No. It doesn't work from the pulpit either. That's why I don't nag you every week. That's why I don't get up here every week and do sin of the week. You're blowing this, you're doing this, you're doing, and there's a lot of stuff I could say about you, really. <laughs> but I don't. Because why? Just telling you all the things you're doing wrong. Hey, come back next week and I'll tell you 10 more things you're doing wrong. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah! In fact, bring a friend. <laughs> you don't get that kind of teaching at Saddleback. Why? It doesn't change anybody. It is faith that wells up in our heart that changes us. Not telling it like it is, but telling it like it could be. And doing it the way God says, calling things that are not as though they were. You can do this. Friends, every single major milestone in Saddleback Church's history, I spoke it into existence. I announced it, this is what's gonna happen before anybody else believed it. Every single time, nobody else believed it. When I was held the very first service of Saddleback and 60 people, little trial run service before Easter, and I got up and I read a vision called the Saddleback Vision. Some of you have seen that, that statement where I outlined the kind of campus we would have and what the buildings would look like and that we were gonna have 20,000 members by 2020 and that we would have 50 acres of land. And everybody laughed, oh yeah, who is this 25-year-old kid who's saying we're gonna one day have 50 acres and 20,000 members? The only problem with that vision, it was too small. God wanted us to have 120 acres, and we hit the 20,000 mark in the year 2000, not 2020. This, by the way, is how we're saved, by speaking uh, uh, in advance our salvation, by confessing our faith in Christ. That's announcing in advance. Look at this verse. The Bible says, for it is by our faith that we're put right with God. It is by our confession, that means we speak it, that we are saved, which by the way is why I lead in a prayer every week at the end of the service. And I say, I want you to pray this prayer, why? I'm causing you to speak, to confess your faith. I'm helping verbalize for you your faith in God. That's why we always have a prayer. At the end of this prayer, if you've never invited Christ in your life, I'm gonna invite you to do that, to follow me in that prayer. And when we're baptized, we're publicly confessing our faith, saying to the world, I'm not ashamed to say I'm a believer. Faith is announcing it in order to experience it. Let me give you another facet of radical faith. Number, number five, faith is giving when I don't have it. Faith is giving when I don't have it. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. 
If you missed any part of this message, or if you would like to find out more about Pastor Rick Warren and this ministry, just visit PastorRick.com where you can listen online anytime. That's Pastor Rick with two R's in the middle dot com. Be sure to sign up for Rick's free daily email devotional while you're there. Rick will be back to close out our time today, but first... In the Bible, Jesus told us that in this world, we will have trouble. But we should take heart because He has overcome the world. It's easy to forget Jesus' words of hope with reports of devastating news hitting us daily. You may even find yourself feeling overwhelmed and distraught. That's why you need to grab a hold of God's Word. It's an anchor for your soul that will fill you with hope. And to help you, Pastor Rick has created the Verses of Hope Scripture Box, featuring a very special collection of verses to restore your sense of hope daily. This beautiful scripture box is gold with the look and feel of real leather, and there's an embossed Bible verse on top. It's filled with artfully illustrated and inspiring scripture cards, along with well-designed blank cards for your personal notes. This unique tool will help you anchor yourself in God's Word and fill you with hope. We'll send it to you when you give a gift to help Daily Hope take the certain hope of Jesus to people everywhere. Quantities are limited, so be sure to act quickly. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy of this great resource. That's PastorRick.com, or you can text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. That's the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. And thanks so much for your support. Here's Pastor Rick with a letter from one of our listeners. Your generous prayers and support help us teach God's Word to people all around the world who've never heard about the hope in Jesus Christ. And God is using your prayers and your gifts to help us reach people who would never set foot inside the door of a church. Here's a letter from Cheryl who said, Pastor Rick, your obedience in teaching God's Word brings blessings of hope in my life every day through your daily email devotional. Through your teaching, God is continually changing my thinking and aligning my heart with his word, which brings hope and happiness to my life and positive thoughts for a great future. Please pray that I'll keep the fight to keep the enemy from stealing the truth from me. I can now see why staying in God's word every day is so important. I want to pray for Cheryl right now. Cheryl, let me pray for you. Father, Together, we join in praying for Cheryl right now, and I ask that your word will grow deep in her heart and in the hearts of everyone else who's listening right now. Plant it like a seed in fertile soil, and then make it grow, and and let the weeds of temptation not choke it out. Help her and help all of us to stand firm in your truth. And Father, I pray for everyone who hears this message today. I pray for every listener of daily hope. And I ask that you strengthen them to be obedient to your word, to see your purpose, and to depend on your power, trusting Jesus that you'll help them through no matter what they face. And I ask this prayer, and I pray this blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you'd like to let Rick know how this broadcast has blessed you, please feel free to send him an email at rick at pastorrick.com. That's rick at pastorrick.com. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope.
This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.